Hey, I'm Pastor Joel, and just want to say thank you for downloading or streaming this message today. My prayer for you is that you're blessed by the content that you hear. As a church, our desire is to make disciples of Jesus, and we do that by helping people to trust and follow Him in every aspect of their daily life. So if this is something that blesses you, we just hope that you'll feel free to share this with others so that they might be encouraged and challenged by it as well. Awesome. Nathan and Stephanie, thank you guys so much for sharing with us. And it is so good to see you. Merry Christmas. Can you believe it's Christmas time already? That seems crazy, right? Uh, It didn't feel like Christmas. Yesterday it was still 50 degrees. Today it feels like Christmas. Negative 8 degrees. It's Christmas in Alaska, I think, is what we're getting tonight. Uh, But we are here and we're celebrating Jesus' birth. It gives a whole new meaning to the song, Baby, It's Cold Outside. Like we all know what that's feeling like right now. Uh, And we joked earlier about, if you guys have seen the movie White Christmas, you know at the end with the big finale and it's snowing outside, so they open the back door and let everybody watch it snow. We're going to do that later just to let some more cool air come in. You all seem like that's a pretty cool thing, so we might try it later. Uh, You know... One of the uh, things that we thought about coming into tonight, and I have to confess, my faith being small, I was like, Andy, I I just don't know, man. I don't know if anybody's going to come. And yet, here you are. What a cool thing. You guys give yourselves a round of applause. We started out tonight singing, Oh, Come All Ye Faithful. And here are the faithful. When we would say we will come and worship Jesus even if it's cold outside, that is pretty spectacular. Andy came and whispered in my ear a little while ago and said, we're going to need more chairs. Do we have any more chairs? There's a closet over there with chairs in them. So if you're still looking for some, we will get you chairs. Uh, We brought 232 chairs out here and you guys filled up every single one of them plus needing some more. So that's pretty awesome. And we're so thankful that you've come to be a part of tonight. I love it. Uh, Well, tonight, I want to tell you one of the challenges that comes with being a pastor, and that's that every year there are two things that come around continually. It is Easter and it is Christmas. And as a pastor, just a little in-depth look into my life, trying to figure out how do I tell somebody a story that they've heard 80 bazillion times and make it new or interesting or unique or special? Like you just get to those moments and there's just this tension in my heart about going, I know you know the story. Like it hasn't changed. It's the same story that it was last year when you read it and the year before that. And when you get to Easter and Christmas, you're like, man, it's the same story. What are we going to do? And so I'm going to tell you something. Uh, as, as I've kind of gone through my journey in life, I started 13 years ago uh, doing something at Christmas time that I call 25 Thoughts on Christmas. And starting on December 1st, if you follow me on Facebook or social media, starting on December 1st and going throughout December 25th, I write one thought every day about what, what it means to celebrate Christmas and to know Jesus and to be a follower of His. And so I've been doing that for 13 years. I have thought and given a lot of focus and energy and effort into Christmas. I love this season and I love this story. But the reality is when you think about the story for yourself, you're going, I, I know the story. Like, there's nothing new I can tell you about the story. You've heard about Mary having an angel come and visit her and tell her that she's going to become pregnant even though she's never been with a man before. And her going, well, how's that going to be? And him saying, well, hey, the the Most High, the Spirit of the Most High is going to come and overshadow you. And you're going to conceive a child that's going to be the Messiah, the Lord. You've heard about Joseph 
who was terribly bummed out about that news, right? Like Mary gets this angelic visit. Joseph just kind of finds out that his fiance is pregnant and that changes the game for him. But Joseph has this moment where an angel comes to him in a dream and says, it's okay to take Mary home as your wife. What is conceived in her is by the spirit of God. It's the story. You know it, you've heard it. You know on the night that that Jesus was born that shepherds appeared uh, out in a field and angels showed up in that field and they sang praises to God and told the shepherds to go and to find the baby that was wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And they left and went all the way into Bethlehem to find the Christ child, Jesus. You know the story, right? And then later on in the story, if you read from another gospel, you find out that, that magi from the east make this long journey following a star to come and to see Jesus. We haven't talked about that part yet this year. If you check out our Christmas morning service on December 25th, uh, we are going to have an online service that will be available to you beginning at 10 a.m. And we're going to talk about those magi who came to see Jesus and what did Jesus do in their life. But you know the story. So I don't have to tell you the story tonight. And what I get to do instead is just remind you of something that I hope you already know. I get to just be a reminder to you of going, there is something that God is doing and he wants you to be mindful of it. He wants you to remember it every single year. So here's what I'm going to do tonight. I'm going to remind you of why Christmas is special. And this isn't anything new. You probably, if you like to take notes when I speak, you probably don't even have to take notes because this is not going to be anything you're like, oh, I've never heard that before, but let me give it to you. Here it is. Christmas is an intimate demonstration of God's love. And I just get to remind you of that tonight. And that's a good thing. Like, I'm so thankful for reminders. Does anybody use your phone to remind you of things? I am constantly, I would never remember a meeting that I'm supposed to have if I didn't have my phone. If you tell me we're going to have lunch somewhere or coffee somewhere, I immediately grab my phone and put it in there on the date and the time. The times when I have not done that is when I'm sitting in a meeting with somebody and someone else walks up about to meet with me at the same time and I've double booked myself. I didn't have the reminder. I needed the reminder. I'm so thankful for reminders of things like birthdays and my anniversary with my wife. I'm glad that I have that on my phone, that it gives me like a week's heads up notice of going, hey dummy, your anniversary is next week. Like get ready for that, right? I'm thankful for reminders. And that's why this is such a cool thing tonight is that we don't have to create anything new. We don't have to discover anything new. I just get to remind you that Christmas is an intimate demonstration of God's love for you and for us. That's what we're here to celebrate, all bundled up and everything. And so this month, we've been talking about this journey to Christmas. And we've looked at the first journeys to Christmas, those things that took place. And we've talked about Mary and how she was a person who said yes to God, that your journey to Christmas begins by saying yes. And as we've looked at these stories in Scripture, we've tried to find out what are the things for us that we need to learn from those first people who experienced the first Christmas that we can learn from God and what he wants to do differently in us. And so Mary was somebody who said yes to God's invitation to come to him and to be a part of his amazing story. Even though it was scary, even though it was big, even though there was unknowns, she said yes. And we're trying to learn to be people like Mary who will say, I'm going to put my yes on the table and no matter what God asks me to do, I want to be the kind of person who says yes to him. Then we talked about Joseph and we said Joseph was a guy who had to learn to trust God in the journey because he got thrown a major curveball. 
And he had a dream that an angel told him, it's okay, this child that Mary's carrying is from God. And Joseph had to learn to trust because there were gonna be things in his life that God was gonna ask him to do that would continually require him to trust in God's voice. And so we need to be the kind of people who are like Joseph, who will go, I know, God, you're gonna give me unique challenges. I know you're gonna give me things to do, and I'm gonna have to learn to trust you. So I wanna be that kind of person who trusts you. Then we talked about the shepherds and their journey to the first Christmas. We found that they were people who were willing to go and seek joy. That joy was made available, but they had to make the decision to leave those fields where the sheep were and go and find Jesus and find that baby in a manger. And we want to be the same kind of people that when we look at our lives and the circumstances that happen in our lives, circumstances can rob us of happiness, but it cannot steal our joy if we seek after Jesus because all joy is found in him alone. And so that's where we come to tonight because Jesus is the last piece. And as we had the Christ candle lit for us earlier, this is the last piece of the story that we're going to look at before Christmas is that Jesus was also on a journey. He came from heaven to earth and Jesus's journey is a journey of love. And so that's where we're going to find ourselves tonight as we talk about this, because as I told you a little while ago, I've been writing about Christmas for 13 years, and I love the story, and I love the things you can pull out of, and there's always something different to see or to learn or a different perspective to find in the story. But here's what I found over and over and over again, no matter how many times I read it, the thing that stands out the most to me is that Christmas is a love story. It is. Christmas is a love story. It's God demonstrating his intimate love to us. It's God saying to his creation, I'm disgusted by the horrors of what sin has done in this world, how it's ravaged and broken things. I'm disgusted by the reality that there is so much brokenness and hate and envy and strife, and I'm coming down to fix all of that. And the story of God's love for us is told by a baby being born onto this earth that is God in flesh. And so we see this in the story. It's the perfect love of the Father as he sent his son to earth all those years ago. He came, Jesus came to show us the love of the Father. In fact, John tells us there, there are two displays of God's love that are set apart from everything else. And the two displays of God's love that are set apart from everything else in creation is the manger and the cross. And so John, when he writes in his epistle, he says this, 1 John 4, verses 9 and 10, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. That's Christmas. He sent his son into the world. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. That's Easter. Right, and so John says these two things that are the distinguishing factors of the love story of God for us is Christmas and the birth of his son and Easter with the death of his son, his atoning sacrifice for us. So you ask the question, do you want to know if God loves us? Look at the manger and see his love demonstrated by the fact that he sent his son to us. Do you want to know if God loves us? Look at the cross and see his son willingly give up his life 
to bring us freedom with God, to restore us into relationship with God. If you want to know, does God love us? If you want to know, does God love me? Look at the manger. Look at the cross. Those two stories, those moments in time, tell us everything that we need to know. God is for us. He's for you. And you don't have to ask the question, does God love me? The question's been answered. It's found in the manger, and it's found in the cross. God has shown us his love, and he's perfected it in those two things. In the book of Romans, Paul gives us perhaps the best thought about God's love for us. He says this in Romans 5, 6 through 8. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly bear to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Like, that's amazing that God sent his son into the world at just the right time when we were at the height of our sinfulness, our rebellion against him, our hate of God. He sent his son to come and win us back to him. That's his gift. That's his love. That he goes, I'm not going to make you be good enough and earn it. I'm going to come to you in your worst condition at the worst point that you can possibly be. I'm going to show up and I'm going to show you love. And I love that about what God does. He doesn't expect us to earn it. He doesn't expect us to find him in those ways. How could you ever do that? Because so many people on our earth live with that mentality that I've got to be good enough. I've got to earn God's love. I've got to get to him. So ask yourself the question, well then, how good is good enough? What's the standard? How good do you have to be? Are there enough good things you can do? What if you get 99 good things in your life done, but God's standard is 100 good things, and you die before you get to 100, and you miss out on heaven? You are a good person, but you miss out because you didn't do good enough. If that's your standard, you're going to be missing the mark big time. What if your standard is looking at other people and going, well, I'm better than that person, I must be good with God. I must be in a right relationship with God because I'm so much better than them. But what if you turn your head this way and go, oh, but I'm not nearly as good as that person. Now you're hurting, right? You're going, what's good enough? What's the standard? It's good news to us tonight that God's standard is grace, that his love is for us, that when we want to know, does God love me? Not do I earn God's love, not have I made God love me, but does he love me? Look at the manger and look at the cross. That's God's answer to you. He's going, I'm going to pour out grace to you. The real question is not, does God love me? The real question is, do I love God enough in response to receive his son as the savior of my life? God's already demonstrated that he loves you. The question at this Christmas season is do you love God enough in response that you'll receive his gift of love? That you'll take that gift for yourself? That you'll say, I want to receive Jesus. I want him to be my savior. I want to surrender to his lordship in my life because he loves me. And I want to receive that. 
The gift you receive when you become a follower of Jesus is not just the promise of heaven when you die. The gift that you receive when you become a follower of Jesus on this earth is that he wants to radically change your life. He wants you to become like Jesus. And so here we read a little while ago, 1 John 4, 9 and 10. Here's verse 11. He says, dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Like that's the new standard for us. As you follow after Jesus, because he loved you, you should go and love others. That because God's love has been shown to you, you receive that love, you're transformed to be like him, and you go and you show his love to other people. That's our new standard. That's where God radically changes our life. Since he loved us, we ought to love one another. God's love becomes the model for us in love. And here's what Jesus did that we learn to do in showing love. Two things, and then I'm going to wrap this up. Two things for us. Number one is love shows up where there's great need. That's Christmas. At just the right time, God sent his son. He shows up. When there's great need, God shows up. That's love. When we look around us in our world and we go, man, there's great need. How are we going to show up? How are we going to be involved in people's lives? How are we going to show them God's love? How are we going to demonstrate grace? How are we going to show mercy? How are we going to express that there is a God who loves them and wants to transform their lives like he's transformed ours? You do that by showing up. You be there. You meet needs. The second thing we see of Jesus is that love sacrifices to bring hope. That's Easter. Like love sacrifices. Jesus gave his life as an atoning sacrifice. He took our place. The punishment that we deserve because of our sins, Jesus bore it on the cross for us, for you. So if you ask yourself that question, does God love me? The answer is, you better believe he does. How do I know that God loves me? You look at the manger, you look at the cross. You say God sent his son, he showed up. And when I was lost in my sins, he didn't expect me to get better. He put Jesus on the cross to pay for my sins, to make me better, to make me like him. There's sacrifice that's involved in that. And it's a radical transformation that takes place in our lives when we see people's needs and we show up to meet those needs. And when we recognize that we're sinful and broken and in need of a Savior and we receive the love that God has given to us. You go, man, I don't know if I can still believe all this stuff or not. Like, I don't know if God loves me. I've, been, I've sinned way too much. Look at the manger. Look at the cross. I don't know if God can love me. I've spent a long time hating him. Look at the manger. Look at the cross. Man, I don't know if God loves me. He didn't answer my prayer the way that I wanted him to. Look at the manger and look at the cross. Whatever it is that you would say to yourself, I just don't know if God loves me. The answer has already been given to you and provided for you. The real question is, Will you receive that love? Will you take it in? 
Will you surrender to Jesus and let him radically transform your life so you'll be the kind of person who will go back out and show God's love to others and show up where there's need and be the kind of person who will sacrifice for others to bring hope. Jesus loves us. He came to earth. That's Christmas. He died on a cross and he rose again three days later. That's Easter. It's the story of God's love. And so for us tonight, as we finish this up, the invitation is simple. We follow Jesus. I'm going to invite the band to come back up. We're going to sing another song together. Because it's a lot warmer when we're singing, right? You guys got cold as soon as I started talking, didn't you? Like, how long is this guy going to go tonight? Because it's freezing in here. But here's the question. Will you choose to follow Jesus? And here's what that means. If you choose to say, I want to be a follower of Jesus, then you're going to choose to be someone who follows him, who's being changed by him, and who's on mission with him for the rest of your life. You're going to say, he's the most important thing about my life. He overcomes everything else. He comes before everything else. Jesus is the one who's come to save my life from sin. And I'm going to follow him. And I'm going to let him do the hard work to change me. And as I surrender to his Holy Spirit and the work of the Spirit of God in my life, he's going to change me to be more like Jesus Christ. And then I'm going to be on mission with him for the rest of my life. I'm going to follow him wherever he goes. And I'm going to do whatever he says. And so tonight, as we close this time up, I would just invite you to let Jesus be the Savior of your life. To be at a point where you say tonight, the child who came and was born in a manger and the man who died on the cross, I'm going to accept him into my life. If you've never invited Jesus to change your life before, you've questioned, can God possibly love me? If, he, if people knew who I was inside, if they knew what I think, if they knew what I do, there's no way God can love me. Look at the manger. Look at the cross. He loves you. He's for you. He loves us. And he wants us to be radically transformed and changed. He wants us to be the kind of church that doesn't just go into our community to do a Christmas Eve service in a cold building. He wants us to be the kind of church that he's going to send into our community every single day to show up and to meet needs. To be the expression of the love of God to a community that's hurting, that's desperate for love. The Bible says what a man desires in his heart above all things is unfailing love. And they will try and we will try to get that kind of love from all kinds of things. And if you've been on that journey where you've tried to fill yourself with love from everything in the world, relationships, drugs, alcohol, money, power, fame, Instagram followers, whatever it is that you think is gonna provide you love, has it ever satisfied you fully? It leaves us empty but we're desperate for an unfailing love. 
And that love is found in Jesus. He's the one that can set your heart free. Tonight, if you'll receive him, he'll change you. Thanks so much for checking out our message today. We hope you are challenged and blessed by it. We want to invite you to come and worship with us in person if you live in the Tri-Cities area. We meet on Sunday mornings at 9 and 1045 a.m. at One Fellowship Point in Kingsport, Tennessee. You can also get more information about us from our website or our mobile app. Have a great day.